I am so excited you are watching uh, our services online today and that you are with us. Uh, it has been an amazing journey to see how many people are being blessed by the word that we bring uh, to you as well. Let me encourage you, every Thursday for the next six weeks, you will be able to see us preach on TBN Thursday afternoons at 7 30, uh, actually Thursday evening, so please watch us there as well. Last week, Nick started a theme, uh, and, and I want to continue with that theme, and the theme is basically Christmas in crisis, Christmas in crisis. Now, why are we saying that? Folks, I'm telling you that if you watch the news at specific times when you and I celebrate the goodness and the great, greatness of God, like the birth of Christ and like the, um, the, the death of Christ over Easter, is never will you hear on the radio the presenters say, Happy Christmas or Happy Easter to Christian believers. Thank you for celebrating. We, are, we, we just want you to enjoy celebrating the birth of Christ. You don't see that, do you? But you do see other religions, uh, to the Jews, happy so-and-so day, and to the Muslims, happy so-and-so day. I'm wondering why it is. It seems like they're trying to cut out the Lord Jesus Christ in every opportunity they can get. And I want you not to join them. And we know that as we go into this great time of celebration, as we go into the Christmas season, that this is the world does not celebrate Jesus. And we know that Jesus was not born on the 25th. But let me tell you, we want to put him back in Christmas. We want Jesus to be seen. We want to, people to know that we celebrate Christmas because the Lord Jesus Christ is so real to us. He came to earth. The pagans celebrate the festival of lights on the 25th of December, years ago. The Jews have a time where they celebrate uh, um, uh, the appearance of light or, or the festival of light in, in December as well. And you and I, we celebrate the light of the world that has come to the earth, that has come for you and me. So for us, it is a phenomenal, phenomenal time that we're looking forward to. You know, talking about the light of the world, talking about the Lord Jesus coming to earth. In Psalm 27 verse 1, listen to David. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? In Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2, it says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. We're talking about the light that has come, my dear friends. Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is upon you. In James chapter 3 verse 19, or John chapter 3 verse 19 to 21, it says this, Light has come to the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly what has been done in the sight of God. You see, we're living in the light. Jesus came. When Jesus came, he brought light into darkness. In John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he says, I am the light of the world. That's what we celebrate. Christmas is Christ Mass, a celebration of Jesus, our Savior, the light of the world. 
It is a Christmas time to celebrate. It is a, a, a time to commemorate. It is a time to enjoy, a time to, to, to rejoice in the fact that Jesus, the light of the world, was born, came to earth to reveal God to, to you and me as well. So what do we do at Christmas? We bring good tidings, don't we? And isn't that exactly what the angels came to do in Luke chapter 2, verse 10 to 11? It says, And the angels said to them, Fear not, for, I, for behold, I bring good tidings of great joy. Here's the angel announcing the birth of Jesus Christ. And he says, I am bringing you good tidings of great joy. And then those same guys, those, those rich guys, they, 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 uh, they, they came to the house where Mary gave birth to the Lord Jesus. And you know what they did? Is they brought gifts to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why gifts is an issue on Christmas. And I think the greatest gift we can give to the Lord Jesus Christ is not necessarily, and there's nothing wrong in giving one another's gifts, but it's not really our birthday, is it? It's the birthday of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the gift I want to give him this Christmas again is my my life. And the gift I want to give is that the light of Jesus shine through me so that others could see him as well. Folks, we are celebrating not a little baby in a manger, but we are celebrating a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, a everlasting father, and a prince of peace. That's who we are celebrating. Listen to Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. And we've been reading this passage and we'll do it the next two Sundays as well. For, us unto a, uh, uh, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and the peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish that. Who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus? We, 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 we're talking about a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace. We're talking about one who, who, where the government is upon his shoulder, one who brings peace to you and me in our hearts as well. Uh, you know, we'll come to that a little bit later. But who is Jesus? How would you explain that to somebody today? A grade eight student years ago explain God and Jesus to people like this. He says this. He says one of the main jobs of God is making people. He makes them to replace the ones that die so that there will be enough people to take, take care of the things on earth. He doesn't make grown-ups, just babies. I think because they are smaller and easier to make. That way, he doesn't take much time or give up much time to do other valuable things, teaching them to walk and also to talk. He can just leave that to their mothers and fathers to do. God's second most important job is to listen to prayers. An awful lot of this goes on. And since some people, like preachers 
and things, prayer times, not only at bedtime, but a lot. So God has got a lot to listen to. God doesn't have time to listen to the radio or to the TV because of this. Because he hears everything, there must be a terrible lot of noise in his ears. Unless he has thought of a way to turn it off. God sees everything and hears everything and is everywhere, which keeps him pretty busy. So you shouldn't go wasting his time by go, going over your mom and dad's heads, asking him for something that they said you couldn't have. So Jesus is God's son, this little boy says. He used to do all the hard work like walking on water and performing miracles and trying to teach people who didn't want to learn about God. They finally got tired of him preaching and so they crucified him. But he was good and kind like his father. And he told his father that they didn't know or, or, uh, what they were doing and to forgive them. And God says, it's okay. His dad, God, appreciated everything that he had done and all the work that, on earth. So he told him that he didn't have to do that anymore. He didn't have to be on the road anymore. He could stay in heaven. So he did. And now he helps his dad by listening to prayers and seeing which are important for God to take care of and which ones he can take care of himself without having to bother God like a secretary. One that's only more important though. You can pray anytime you want and they are sure to hear you because they got it worked out so that not, uh, one of them is always on duty all the time. Can you see this amazing picture of who God is? And then he says, your parents can't go everywhere with you, like to camp, but God can. It is good to know he's around. And when you're scared in the dark, when you can't swim very good, and you get thrown into the deep water by big kids, but you shouldn't do, uh, just always think of what God can do for you. I figure God put me here and take me back anytime he pleases. And that's why I believe in God. Isn't that a cute story? Now I want to ask you, so who is this Jesus that we're talking about? And we, what do you believe about him? You see, why is it so important, especially in this Christmas time? I think this Christmas time is a wonderful opportunity for us to tell the truth about Jesus. Jesus Christ gave a clearer understanding of who God is. That's why he came to earth, to reveal God to us. Last week we began this four-week series and, and, and Nick spoke on God as a, Jesus as a wonderful counselor. And today I'm going to look at the fact that he is a mighty God. You see, over 150 years, Isaiah saw the Assyrians uh, uh, just expanding, and, 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 and Isaiah's lifetime was spent under the shadows of this threatening Assyrian power. And now God is giving him a promise. And God is saying that in the future, there will be a Savior that will come to the earth. There will be a Redeemer. There will be a child that will be born. And on him, on his shoulder will be the government. He will be a counselor, a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father. And he will be the Prince of Peace. 
And today I want to tell you that Jesus is that mighty God. That is what the Bible speaks about. Jesus as a mighty God. People in the time of Isaiah, they were in terrible times. They were oppressed. They needed to know that in the future there would be a Savior, somebody who would be able to set them free. You and I need to know the same in the time that we live in as well. We have a mighty God that we serve. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me highlight three things that I think are extremely important when it comes to this mighty God. If he is the mighty God, this truth, truth should definitely affect our concept of him. The truth of Jesus as mighty God should definitely affect our concept of him. The phrase mighty God teaches us two things about Jesus that is extremely important. And they're obvious. The first one is Jesus is mighty. Jesus is mighty. You see, my dear friend, biblical scholars tells us that the phrase mighty could be translated as warrior or champion. And it's no wonder that Isaiah was told that Jesus would be the mighty God. Because in that exact time they were living in, these people needed a champion. These people needed a warrior. It was a time of war. It was a time of destruction. They needed a supreme champion to come into their midst. They needed somebody who would take first place, somebody who is most powerful. And that's the promise that God gave to them through Isaiah, that a child will be born and he will be mighty God. You see, champions are normally applauded. We celebrate them. And that's what we do at this time as well. We celebrate this warrior. We celebrate our champion. We celebrate the one who's most powerful, the most powerful, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no one like him. There is no one who has power the same that he has. A story is told on an occasion uh, that uh, Satan and, uh, and Jesus had a discussion about who would have the greatest power. And uh, this is just a story, obviously. And so Satan says, I can do anything that you can do, only better. So Jesus looked at Satan and says, okay, prove it. Go ahead and try creating a man. So Satan says, no problem. So he bent down, reached down, and, and picked up a, a handful of sand, of dirt, and he began to mold and shape it into a man. And Jesus slapped him on his head, and he says, hey, make your own sand. You see, it's just to illustrate through the story, is there's no one, there's nothing, there is no one that can do what God can do. He is mighty. Jesus is mighty, and that places him above all others. My dear friends, history proves to us is that nobody has been spoken about more than the Lord Jesus Christ. People have taken time to write songs and poems about him. People have, have taken time to, to write books about him more than any other. Listen to what somebody once wrote and say, Socrates taught for 40 years, Plato for 50 years, Aristotle for 40 years, and Jesus for only three Yet the influence of Christ in his three years of ministry far transcends the impact left by the combined 130 years of these teachers that I've just mentioned. You see, my friend, Jesus painted no picture. Yet some of the finest paintings by Raphael, Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, 
and others receive their inspiration from him. Jesus wrote no poetry, but Dante, Milton, and scores of the world's greatest poets were inspired by him. Jesus composed no music, yet Hayden, Handel, Beethoven, Bach, and Mendelssohn, and a lot of others reached the heights of their perfection of melody in the hymns and symphonies they wrote about him composed about him and his character. Every sphere of our human greatness has been enriched by this carpenter, the Lord Jesus Christ, my friend. Jesus is above all others. Jesus is above all others. He is mighty. The second thing that phrase tells us that he is God. It says mighty God. And the word God here is written in capitals, and I'll come back to that a little bit later. You see, he was a teacher, but he was more than a teacher. He was a prophet, but he was more than a prophet, my friend. He was a religious leader, but he was more than a religious leader. He was a miracle worker, but he was more than a miracle worker. My friend, the Bible says he is God, mighty God. Some people have a very limited view of God. And even some religions who say they believe in Jesus, but they have a very limited view of God. They have changed, in fact, the way the Bible speaks about Him. Instead of saying that He is God, they say He is a God. In other words, created by God, but not the God. A God in, a small, in small, uh, small letters, not capitals. Another major religion says this about God. They says. Um, that, that uh, let me just find it quickly. It says, as man now is, God once was. As God now is, man may become. My dear friends, we can't compare ourselves with God. We don't become like Him. In fact, if you look around yourself, you see that man is not getting better. We are getting worse. We're definitely not little gods. We're definitely not becoming like Him. He is the only God. We cannot at all be exactly like Him as well. He is supreme over everything. The truth is this. If Jesus is not totally 100% God, what reason do we have to follow him? If he's not mighty and God, what reason do we have to follow him? If he's not supreme, sovereign, and divine, then what value has our faith got? You see, I grew up in a church where we had a statement of faith, and this statement of faith was read almost every Sunday. And part of that statement of faith says this, Christ is the eternal Son of God. That's who He is. We need to have a right view of God. If He's mighty, it should really, if He's mighty God, it should really affect our concept of him. The second important thing about Jesus as mighty God, it should definitely affect our conduct, the way we live. You see, the Bible says this, that, that he, uh, let, let me just correct some of you quickly here, because I know some of you refer to him as the man upstairs. My dear friend, he is not the man upstairs. He is God Almighty in heaven and on earth. 
The Bible says, therefore God exalted Jesus, him, to the highest place and gave him the name above all names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess. That's what it says in the Bible. We will bow before him. We will confess his name, that Jesus is Lord. An interesting story is told about the Queen Victoria who at one occasion at the celebration or the anniversary of the death of Edward VII, she gave a passionate speech. And in her speech, she says these words. Listen to it. She says, and she's the queen wearing the crown. She says, oh, how I wish that the Lord would come during my lifetime because I would so love to lay down my crown at his feet. I love that. Oh, I love that. He is the only Father, the only God, the only mighty God. We should worship Him, but we should also give Him first place in our lives. Because some of us say we worship Him, my dear friend, but He does not have preeminence. He is not first in our lives. He does not have first place. He is not on the throne. That's what my dad used to say to me so many times. Rulof, is God really on the throne of your life? I know you believe in Him, but is He on the throne of your life? You see, my dear friend, I mentioned earlier, there's a very subtle message in the Bible. Every time the word God is written, and this one as well, it is written in capitals, which really is saying to me, God should be capitalized. God should be supreme. God should be on top. God should be the most important person. If I believe that he's mighty God, if I really believe that Jesus is mighty God, it should be, affect my behavior in every in every aspect of my life. The emphasis points to his authority. God written in capitals, his authority, his supernatural character, and his sovereignty. You see, he desires preeminence in our lives, not because he he's got an ego problem, but my dear friend, the moment you and I give him the throne of our lives, it seems like something comes right in my life. Something changes in my life. Love the Lord with all your heart. Love Him with all your heart. And things will change in your heart. There's a story told of a mother who takes her little child shopping and it's Christmas time and they're running around and they are so busy. And, and, and in her busyness in the shop, she suddenly realized that she has not got this little chubby little hand of her child in hers anymore. And so she rushes around trying to to find this little boy. And then she found him somewhere with his little nose pressed against a window. And he was gazing at the manger, Jesus in the manger, at the scene. And she rushed up to him and she shouted and she calls him, let's call him Johnny. Johnny, come here, where have you been? And he says, look, mommy, it is Jesus, baby Jesus in the hay. And the mommy looks at him and very irritated, just grabbed him and, and, and took the joy out of his wonder, out of his life. And she said impatiently, we don't have time for this. My friends, so many of us don't have time for Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, not only in the manger, but in our lives. We don't have time for this. Jesus wants to be preeminent. He wants to be the first in our relationships, the first... Uh, when it comes to the use of our time, the first when it comes to the use of our money, the first when it comes to our friendship. If he's, if he's God, it will 
definitely affect our concept of him. It will definitely affect our conduct towards him. The third and last thing quickly is if Jesus is mighty God, then this truth should really affect our confidence. You see, people in Isaiah time, like us, were living in a sense under oppression, but we're not oppressed like they are or were, but they were discouraged. Something needed to lift their spirits. They lacked confidence. And that's why the prophecy comes and saying, a child will be born. The government will be upon his shoulders. He will be the mighty counselor, the, the wonderful counselor and the mighty God. That's looking, looking forward to that. That's who he is. A little boy prays this prayer and he says, dear God, please take care of my daddy and my mommy and my sister and my brother and my doggy and me. And oh, oh God, will you please take care of yourself? Because if anything happens to you, we're going to be in a big mess. And that's true, my friend. If anything happens to God in my life, we're going to be in a big mess. The world is in a big mess because they don't acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this prophecy was shared with the Israelites, with Isaiah, because God wanted to give them confidence and hope. There is light. There is a light coming. People are in darkness, it says, but a light is coming. A light is coming. Oh man, that pain that you're feeling in your heart, that day-to-day pain maybe of, of, of the world's circumstances and circumstances in your family and around your, your, the, the politics here and around your finances and around your, your marriage and so on. There, there, is, there is hope. Mighty Jesus is just as alive then, now as he was then. He is and he will and he can be the light in your life. Let me tell you another story quickly of a young girl who really lacked confidence when it came to, to tunnels. They were driving in, in a train on a daily basis. And as a little baby, every time they would go into this tunnel, she would push her little head against her mommy's uh, uh, chest and, and would open her eyes only when they would get to the other side of the tunnel. And then she grew a little bit bigger and older. And then she kept her eyes open right through going through this tunnel. And then one day, the mommy asked her about her fears and said, what made the difference? And the little girl replied, mommy, I like the tunnel because it has light on both ends. That's the hope we have. There is light on both ends, my friend. That's the confidence we have, my friend. In every situation, there is hope there is the confidence, a light has come, and it's on both ends of the tunnel. In your life, whatever you're going through, Isaiah says people walked in darkness, they have seen a great light. The light has come upon them and is shining. And I hope that we would open our eyes at this Christmas time to this mighty God. He is our victory. He is our confidence. He is might. He is everything we need to walk in faith and in victory in this time. I don't know what the future holds, somebody once said, but I know who holds the future. And that is our confidence as a believer today. He is mighty. 
And I put my trust completely in Him. The Bible says we are more than conquerors through Him. More than conquerors through Him who loved us. I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in this creation will be able to separate me, us, from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's confidence, you see. He is mighty. The Lord Jesus Christ is your mighty God. And you've got to believe that. Isaiah calls him mighty. I'm sure the Israelites raised their level of hope. And you and me as a Barney, I'm asking you, raise your level of hope today. In this Christmas time, we are celebrating a wonderful counselor and a mighty God. You are on his side, my friend. And that gives me hope. So if he's mighty, it should affect your concept of him. Mighty God. It should really affect your conduct on a day-to-day basis in every area of your life. And it should affect your confidence. May God give you confidence today to trust Him absolutely and completely. I'm going to pray for you. But my dear friend, maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus. And I want you to put in that comment line today. Ready. If you're ready to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you are backslidden. Then I want to ask you today as well, just put there ready so that we can talk to you and follow you up as well. Because I want to reintroduce you, or maybe for the first time introduce you to Jesus, the mighty God. Jesus, the wonderful counselor. Won't you type ready right away? And we would love to respond to you now as well. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that as we look at this verse that a, a child is born. The government is on his shoulders. He is a wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. He is our father. He is everything that we need at this time. He is our prince of peace. That right now, as people put ready, as people are listening to this message, right now, that they would find this Jesus come in to govern their lives. Change them now by your spirit. And if there are circumstances that are painful, in Jesus' name, would you do a miracle for them? I pray that in the name of Jesus, our mighty God, amen.